Good morning. Yes, I think, was it David said that I'll not speak as long as Neil or him or Neville, which is very true. You'll all, you'll all be glad to hear. Um, so I had the privilege of sharing at a church last week for the first time in person in over a year. And um, it was really, really lovely just to join with another church family in Armagh. And then Neil had asked if I would just bring the same kind of message to you guys this morning. So yes, really, really great to be able to share with my own church family and just feel that bit of freedom. I know last week, I suppose I was sticking to my notes a bit, so I have a bit more freedom to kind of go off my notes slightly. So maybe I will speak for as long as David, I could challenge them, couldn't I? Um, but yeah, so I suppose over the past year and, year and a bit, um, it has been a strange one, and some of you I am seeing in person for the first time in a very, very long time. And as I spoke last week, it brought me to a time of reflection because I suppose, um, as I said, it was the first time in person doing the role that I do with Home for Good um, for such a long time. So it got me thinking about what life had been like over the past year. Um, it had got me thinking about as we move forward, what might change um, as we see restrictions starting to ease and lift just how we think about life moving forward. But I suppose in my time of reflection, um, I, I had just really felt that for many of us over the past year, there's been moments where we have felt really hidden away. And for some of us, that could have been in isolation. It could have been that we were completely on our own, um, living alone with very few people to to visit or see on a daily basis. Um, and we may have felt really sort of hidden out of the way and unseen. Or it could have been that we lived in a very busy house and we were going about our every day, um, washing, ironing, cooking, cleaning. And even in the midst of being surrounded by busy family life, um, we may have felt unseen. And we may have felt that we were just getting on with it and actually who who really cared what we were doing. Um, and I know that, yeah, for, for lots of us, that may have been the case. It could have just been fleeting moments of that feeling or it could have been more prolonged periods of time where we felt that. Um, and I know for me, anybody that knows me knows I hate the winter. Um, I hate the dark nights, I hate the cold weather that you can't get outside and sort of just feel connected to nature. So as we've seen spring starting to come through and plants starting to grow and I've been out in the garden um, hearing the birds sing, I was reminded of that song and the scripture about the sparrow and about how God's eye is on the sparrow and about how much he cares for the, the birds in the sky and how much more he cares for us. And actually, he knows everything about us. He knows a number of hairs on our head. And I suppose that was a real gentle reminder from God that actually we are seen um, in every moment of our life, whether it's in the daily struggles or maybe something really big that we're going through, um, that God knows everything about us and that he sees us and that he cares and that he adores us. And Neil mentioned earlier that this is foster care fortnight. 
Um, so this is a two-week campaign UK-wide and the theme this year is why we care um, and I suppose just thinking about how God cares for us. Um, yeah, I thought that was really appropriate theme actually um, for Foster Care Fortnight this year so we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit but as I've reflected on how God knows us, how he sees us and um, the nature of God, I was reminded of a few stories in the Gospels um, and I think there's so much that we can learn from the life of Jesus in the stories that we read and one of those was found in John chapter 4 and it is a story of the woman at the well so I'm going to just actually read it for you now I'm going to read it a couple of stories now so this one is just John 4 and it's from the NIV that I'm reading starting at verse 1 the Pharisees heard that Jesus was, gain, was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sishar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him give him will never thirst indeed the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water he told her go call your husband and come back I have no husband she replied Jesus said to her you're right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have five hus you've had five husbands and the man to stay out of the judgment of others um, but amidst her trying to be hidden Jesus still saw her and he knew everything about her and he accepted her for who she was. I was also thinking about the story of Zacchaeus um, many of you will be familiar with this story from Sunday school days and I'm actually just going to read it from the Jesus storybook bible maybe some of you have this at home if you have any kids in the house so this is the story of Zacchaeus, and you can read it in your Bible, Luke 19. There was once a man who didn't have any friends. But not poor Zacchaeus didn't have any. You're probably wondering why. Was it because he was so short? That's not a reason not to like someone. Neville, you'll be glad to know that. Um, was it because he had a name that was hard to say? <laughs> well, neither is that. Even though he was short and he did have a funny name, that wasn't it. No, people didn't like Zacchaeus because he stole their money. Zacchaeus collected taxes, 
But Zacchaeus took more than he was supposed to and kept the extra money for himself and made himself rich. Everyone knew what he was up to and it made them cross and grumpy. They didn't like Zacchaeus one bit. So they made sure he knew it by doing things like avoiding him and walking on the opposite side of the street and pretending not to see him and whispering things like, there's that nobody who thinks he's a somebody loud enough so he could hear. Anyway, one day a huge crowd gathered by the road. Jesus was coming to their town and everyone wanted to see him. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus too, but everyone was too tall. He tried jumping up and down, but that didn't work. He couldn't see a thing. Luckily, Zacchaeus had a good idea. I'll climb that sycamore tree, he said. So he did. He was surprisingly good at climbing trees for a man who was so unusually short. From the tree, Zacchaeus had the perfect view all the way down the road. Another minute and suddenly Jesus was at the tree. He stopped and looked up. Zacchaeus saw Jesus and Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Jesus said, I'd like to come over to your house. Zacchaeus almost fell out of the tree, come over to his house. No one ever wanted to come anywhere near his house, let alone inside it. The people saw this, and needless to say, it made them even crosser and grumpier than usual. They mumbled and murmured and muttered, Why is Jesus being kind to that big sinner? Doesn't Jesus know about him? Zacchaeus scrambled down and took Jesus to his house. He was in a big hurry because he didn't want Jesus to change his mind. Perhaps Jesus hadn't heard about him. Perhaps Jesus didn't know him, how he had been stealing, and how no one liked him, and how he didn't have any friends. But Jesus knew He knew all about Zacchaeus and the stealing and everything, and he still loved him. So again, whenever we um, are reading this story and thinking about Jesus' response, um, he, I just thought it was really powerful how he stopped, he looked up, he called him by name, and went on to share a meal with Zacchaeus. So this was somebody who... um, who went again, maybe not unnoticed, but I'm sure he felt at times that he wanted to be unseen because any remarks that he had heard about him were negative ones. But Jesus knew all about him and he still wanted to spend time with him. Again, in one more story from the Gospels, again in the book of Luke, we read of Jesus on his way to raise a little girl from the dead. He is passing through crowds of people and suddenly he stops. Who touched me, Jesus asks. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So I suppose the part of that story that really stood out to me was in verse 47. Seeing that she could not go unnoticed by Jesus, she came and fell at his feet. I find Jesus' response in each of these stories so challenging. Um, I suppose in that last one, um, regardless of the outcome of that encounter, she was noticed, and I felt I feel that in all of the stories um, that I've touched on there, that Jesus brings empowerment to the people that he comes across, um, just by noticing them and giving them a voice and letting them be seen. 
He could have had many excuses to not notice. He could have avoided speaking to the woman at the well and shunned and rejected her like her community had, but he chose acceptance. He could have just walked past the tree where Zacchaeus was, but he chose to stop and invite him to share a meal. He could have been in far too much of a rush to see Jairus' sick daughter, but amongst the crowds, he still chose to stop and meet the needs of a poor, frail lady. There are so many people in our communities who may feel that they are unnoticed or uncared for, but as God's people, it is our calling to notice and to care. So as I say, there's lots of Lots of people that we could shine a light on and um, you all know my heart and with it being foster care fortnight, I just think it'd be really good for us to stop and notice and shine a light on um, foster care and children in care and the families that look after them. An article that was published in the Gazette just before Christmas time, so this is one of our local papers, read, with many families at breaking point from living through a global pandemic, the Trust has reported a surge in the numbers of children needing foster care. Less than a decade ago, the number of children in care in the Southern Trust was 360, but now there are 589, the highest number ever of children in full-time care. And each child and young person will have their own story to tell um, and they will come with all of their own experiences. And just as they have their own stories to tell and their unique needs, they will need a family that is unique um, and with their own story to care for them. It's estimated that a further 250 foster families need to be recruited in Northern Ireland. And as you know, um, at Home for Good, our tagline is let's find a home for every child who needs one. And what we would love is that we wouldn't just find a roof over their head, but would actually find a home that is going to be a really good match for these children and young people and that can meet their needs. So for that to happen, I would love and our heart would be that there'd be an abundance of choice for social workers rather than them just um, finding uh, a home at last minute that actually they would have a choice as to where it could best meet young people's needs. So as I said, um, each child in care will have their own story. They'll have their own gifts and ability and talents and potential. And... I'm just going to read a couple of stories from the Home for Good book. And these are real stories of, of young people that um, grew up in foster care. So actually, I'll just read, I'm just going to read one of them. So this is going to be Ashley's story. I went into care at the age of two. I had a fragmented upbringing with a whole load of different people. Being in care was normal for me. I moved around a lot and I became desensitized to change, abandonment and rejection. My first foster mom was a wonderful, typical Jamaican woman called Sissy. I loved her. I still have happy memories of kicking a football in her garden. But then one day I was told I had to leave her home. I was given no adequate reason. I didn't really understand what was going on. I was given just a week's warning. I tore up the social worker's papers and I pretended I was going to commit suicide. My whole world crumbled. I felt abandoned. I vividly remember the day I left Sissy. I woke up, CBeebies was on television and the house was filled with Sissy's cooking and the normal smells of a normal day. I remember a car coming, 
three strangers arriving and I was taken to a children's home. My last memory of Sissy was watching her crying as the car pulled away. It was devastating, heartbreaking, tough. The children's home had 10 other lads my age as well as some shift workers and I stayed there until I was 12 when I was moved to a family. It was around this time that I began to recognise the deficiencies I had, the things I lacked at an emotional level. It was also around this time I saw a dad playing with his child and asked God to be a father to me. From that moment on, I considered the church to be my main family. I moved again aged 15, this time to a brilliant foster mum and foster dad with a studious sister and a good family structure. Moving about so much, I got used to having transient and fleeting relationships. I appreciate so much about the people who care for me, and I know that what happened to me has made me who I am. But if an adoptive family had come forward early on, one family who would have loved me, then I wouldn't have had the struggles that I have had. So this is actually, I don't know if any of you know, the band The Risk. This is Ashley John Baptiste's story. He's a journalist and advocate. Um, and he was in The X Factor in 2011 and went on then to do a documentary. So this is just to highlight one story um, of one child or now adult um, that grew up in care and it's amazing to see the potential that he had and how he achieved that and the giftings that he had and I suppose this morning um, I just want to really encourage us to follow the example of Jesus whenever we are considering children in care that actually um, each of them are precious and each of them deserve for us to stop and notice them and to spend time with them and to um, welcome them to our table and to show acceptance to them no matter what just as Jesus did in the stories that we spoke about. So as you know, I, I work for Home for Good, and I suppose just to close off, I told you I wouldn't speak too long, um, to close off just some of the things that we could consider going away. So what action can we take? Um, you may be in the position where you could open your home to a child or a young person, and if that is the case, I would love to speak to you. Um, we're doing another foundations course at the minute. Um, there's info events you can find on our website, and if you check out homeforgood.org.uk, you can read lots of information and blogs and articles um, about that. So that might be the position you're in, or you may not be in the position to foster or adopt yourselves, but you can definitely play a part in supporting families that are doing this role. Um, and I know that we have heard great stories from foster carers over the past year where perhaps they have felt unseen where the usual help and support that the young people have had isn't there anymore and it's great to see the church stepping in so this could be some meals or it could be a phone call or um, an offer of prayer and that can really really make a difference to family families that are caring for children and I mentioned prayer there, and prayer is so important. And I know Bridget will always talk about the importance of prayer um, whenever we are faced with challenges. And we have a, a beautiful prayer that was written by one of our Home for Good champions in Northern Ireland. So I'm going to get Neil to post that um, during the week on our Facebook page. And I'd love you just to, to use that prayer um, 
over the next over the next week um, as we focus on on foster care fortnight. So I'd really appreciate it if you do that. So keep an eye out for that. Finally, and this is this is always the one that I'm a wee bit awkward about, but Home for Good are a charity. So we're a Christian charity. I haven't done the whole spiel of who Home for Good are because I think our church is very aware of who Home for Good are, but um, if you do feel that maybe the part that you could play could be supporting financially, uh, there's lots of fundraising opportunities. So if that is on your heart and you think, do you know what, that's actually something that I could do, um, then again, would love to hear from you and you can check that out on the website. Um, so I suppose just to finish off um, I'd love to pray and just to remind you again that whenever we are maybe you'll be reading these stories to your children at bedtime or um, you may come across them through your studies and just to be reminded of how Jesus responds to people in our community and Today I've focused on foster care, but as I said, there's lots of people in our community that have felt unseen and unnoticed. And even just in your daily life as you go about um, getting your milk in the local supermarket or whatever it is, um, it's taken those opportunities to stop and to notice um, and try and respond to people's needs whenever we can. Um, so that's, I suppose, a challenge I want to leave you with this morning. So I'll just pray to close. Father, we just thank you so much for the example of Jesus. We thank you that his love is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever. And we thank you that he took time to stop and to notice and to respond to the need around him. No matter how busy um, he was or what was going on in his circumstances, he always um, took that time to stop and to notice. And Father, we just ask that um, you give us that heart, that you give us eyes to see people that are feeling hidden, um, that are feeling that nobody cares, and that you just give us opportunities to serve you in our communities. Thank you for all our amazing children and young people um, that are living with foster families. And um, Lord, you know the potential that they have. You know the, the gifts and the talents that they have, Lord. And um, just help us to really um, speak that over them and to draw that out, Lord, and be an encouragement to them and help them to feel cared for and loved and noticed and cherished. Yeah, just go with us um, the rest of today. In Jesus' name, amen.